The Whiskey Reel presents Judgment Day. Listener discretion is advised. The podcast that you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed are merely for comedy purposes. This is your Judgment Day. We all go a little mad sometimes. What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Time to play. Welcome to Judgment Day, my friends. In this podcast, I invite one of my lovely friends to inform them that today is, in fact, the end of times. They have shuffled off this mortal coil, and it's up to me to decide whether they ascend to paradise or burn forever in a lake of fire. (laughs) That one's funny. What no one knew (laughs) was that God, he's a total cinephile, and I, Bobbeth Van Noys, have been chosen to ask a series of 12 questions about the movies that meant the most to them. Their taste in films will be the ultimate test determining their eternal fate. I I wrote that. Uh, (laughs) I know. It's a whole lot of words. It's a big mouthful, so that's how you can tell I wrote that. It's word salad for sure, but it's fucking great. With uh, ranch. Joining us today, Whiskey Reelers, Judgment Dayers, is Mr. Sean Moriarty, my chuddy buddy. He is the best of friends. Oh, yeah. He's a wonderful husband. Ah, from what I understand. He's a social marketer. Yeah, well, online marketer. Let's say online everything. He's an to- online marketer. He's a podcaster. Yep. He's a local legend. Yeah. He's a man about town. That I'll take. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Chudinsky. Hello. Welcome. Welcome me to the podcast. I have notes. Yeah. (laughs) Did anybody else type out everything like an idiot? No. You printed out a form. I printed out a form. And I have a digital version on my phone in case I forgot this. Just in case you fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been so mad because I don't know if you know this, but inflation is pretty crazy. And ink is not cheap. Ink is not It is cheap. not. That's because nobody prints shit anymore. So Fucking Obama. I can't even... <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> I can't even deal with that guy anymore. Oh, but I'm excited. I'm excited. When you told me about this new podcast, I was like, this is cool. I love answering questions about movies, especially ones that apparently will determine whether or not I burn in a, quote, lake of fire. That's a little 100%, intense. 100%. 100%. A little intense. Never thought you'd go the Christian route, but um, that's It fine. doesn't have to be necessarily Christian. You mean I'm going to go to a Muslim lake of fire? I, <laughs> I don't know, man. The food's good, but the women got to be all covered up. Do you like hummus? I do. I, I do actually too. do in love. I do too. Hey, you know the difference between a garbanzo bean and a chickpea? <laughs> I've never let a garbanzo bean on my chest. I... <laughs> wow. <laughs> we are off to a searing start. That That's is... what. Par for the course, huh? Par yeah. for the course. Well, you and I have uh, obviously done this before. We've podcasted together now for... It's like four years. Nigh on four years. Nigh on four years. Yeah. Um, some of it's been great. Some of it has been great. <laughs> when some we of it has been... When we weren't inciting rage from local businesses and or individuals, it's been great. Or each other. Or each other. Yeah, that's mostly it. Right? Yeah, you and I famously have fucking gone to war with each other to the mattresses we've said some stuff said some things yeah 
Yeah, which is great because now I don't think we either of us has anything hurtful to say to the other one. I know. There's nothing in our quiver anymore. We said it all. I know. <laughs> I'm a little freaked out about your eye. I know. Like, <laughs> What's going on? You have a weird eye thing going on. I got this weird eye. <laughs> no, I don't know. Fine. I'm probably dying. It's just a little red line. It's like this redness right next yeah, to my eye. And thing. I think it might be from my like, hey, please, 40, don't come so soon eye cream thing that I put on. I think it's because of your night terrors. Uh, how does that, how does, how does something going on in my brain affect my eyeballs? And you're. No, or the skin outside my. In the middle of the night, you're clawing at your own face. Oh uh, well, no, that happens. It's like poltergeist. Jesus. When that guy just <laughs> fucking rips yeah. his face off. Yeah, I remember watching that and being like, "I'm not going to sleep tonight." And somehow there was a PG on the back of that VHS. That box. movie was PG. PG. Well, because it was pre- that was what 81. Yeah. So that's there was, it was pre pre Temple PG of Doom. 13. Yeah. Temple of Doom was so fucked up, but not so fucked up that it was R rated. Temple of Doom invented they invented is, PG thirteen for the Temple of Doom. Is that true? That's true. Yeah. Fuck off. I didn't know that. Yeah. Steven that's, Spielberg has enough sway to be like, ah, I want I I I, I need that money and we can't have this be R rated, so let's well, invent PG thirteen. Let's be clear, that movie was terrifying and haunting, and not just because of Kate Capshaw's really unfortunate performance. Yeah. It was there were bugs and yep, uh, there was no snakes in Someone that having, one. No, I, there probably it was. was mostly bugs. But there was a lot and of then bugs. There was Someone hearts being completely ripped out of their chest. Ripped out of their chest. Yep, scary as shit. My Fun mom shit. took me to the theater to see that movie. Hundred <laughs> percent. Jesus. And she fucking hated it. Of hated course, every second of it. No, it's She's it's like, the. I honestly I think it's the Bobby. I don't think I know what I feel about that movie. <laughs> I almost said it was the worst Indiana Jones, but it's the second worst after uh, I think after Crystal Skull. Well, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, there wasn't a fourth Indiana Jones movie, was there? Yeah, this new one coming out—that's the fourth. Advance word is that it's fantastic. Pretty good. That's what I hear. Pretty good. I want them to be right. James Mangold is a wonderful director. And I think getting Spielberg out of that, I mean, he's a like an exec producer. No, Spielberg did this one, I thought. No, he's not directing. He's Man, not? Mangold is directing Mangold's the movie. Mangold's directing and he's uh, overseeing. He's producing probably. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. And George Lucas has fuck all to do with it. Oh, really? Well, yeah. That's like a fiction. Yeah. So no aliens. <laughs> no in, aliens. In that, this one. Hey, George, you know what we haven't done yet? Either of us? Aliens. Aliens plus Shia LaBeouf equals this is going to be the best Indiana. Oh, it did terribly? Yeah. Ah, shit. How can we get the worst possible performance out of Kate Blanchett, who is a living legend? She is. She's amazing. And remarkably beautiful and perfect in everything she's ever been in. Mm -hmm. How can we make her suck? Let's give her a moose and squirrel Russian accent. (laughs) Let's have her watch Bullwinkle reruns. And to develop her accent and then just put her in a room with Shia LaBeouf in a green screen and don't tell her what's going to be on the green screen. Fucking. And expect her to act. Amazing. (laughs) Thank God that never happened. Yeah, it never happened. That would have been a travesty. The kingdom of the crystal skull was merely a fever dream (laughs) I had after a long night of eating mushrooms and making cigarette butt tea, my friend Dave. (laughs) Sean Moriarty. You are younger than me, so this question fascinates me. Okay. Question the first. Mm-hmm. What is the first film that you remember seeing? And it doesn't have to be specific to theater or Oh no. At home. Yeah. The Just, first so by the time I was let's see, by the time I was able to process films, uh there were movies on TV quite a bit. We had basic cable. 
Um, the first movie I remember seeing was Ghostbusters. And it was seeing it on TV. So it was a slightly edited version, but it was, I think I was three or four. So it had to have been like 1986, 1987-ish. Fuck. And it was on TV. And I just remember meeting immediately glued to the television. Ghostbusters was like my favorite. I was a Ghostbusters nerd for most of my early childhood. Like I, I had the house. I had the plastic proton packs. I had all the stupid. I was Whoa. really into the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. We've never talked about this movie, really. No, not. I mean, we've mentioned it Have here we? and there, but not really done a Ghostbusters episode or and talked about ghost movies specifically. So that's crazy because I remember that film. I mean, I saw it in the theater, but I was obviously like, yeah, you were ten like, years like, older 10, than yeah. you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I mean, I was devastated by how good that fucking movie was. It's so good. And nobody's been able to really catch lightning in a bottle when it, with regards to like a sci-fi heavy. Like action-ish movie with also being a comedy, just being hilarious. He tried to do it. Ivan Reitman tried to catch lightning in a bottle again with Evolution, where he's like, "Let's do this effects-heavy comedy." Yeah, with yeah, David Duchovny and Stifler and um, Orlando Jones from Mad TV. I feel so bad for Sean Michael Scott. Oh yeah, Sean Michael Scott is Stifler. no one calls him Sean. Well, no one. I, I don't. Well, I was going to. And His then I was wife like, probably calls him Stifler. I would probably. Yeah. Stifler. And then he calls her Stifler's mom <laughs> while they fuck because movies. But um, gross. He uh, I refuse to call him Sean because he's uh, he spells his name the same as me. But for some reason, there's an extra N on his name. Yeah, and I'm What's like, up with that? I'm like, nope, cool. You're Stifler forever. All right, sorry. Double, double in. He's Sean. either Stifler or no. whoever his character was, where he gets milked in Road Trip. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my. That's of all the Sean William Scott moments, him with a couple fingers up his ass, <laughs> <laughs> going ah while he's getting his prostate. Is that milked, milked or massaged? That's a prostate massage. Yeah, but the, the nurse in the movie called it milking the prostate. Uh, I don't remember it that well. No, it's not a good movie. It's not one of it my. It has favorites. Tom Green in it, so. You already wow. that, you already forgot about it. We we're, even talk about. We're it. not going to skip ahead to question six, but <laughs> Amy Smart in that movie, oh. bring it that mm-hmm. that was a weirdly sexy moment for all of us. I think. Yeah, we weren't expecting. Well, because I well, let's see. I was when Road Trip came out. I was probably sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, and I had seen her in Varsity Blues. And Varsity like, Blues. How come she don't take her clothes off? And, and then, then in Road Trip, she, she did it. Did. And I was like. Oh, she was waiting. So I'd pay for another ticket. Yeah. (laughs) They got two tickets out of me. I think Ghostbusters is an amazing answer. You're a lucky man. First film I remember seeing. Dude, you're a lucky man. It's probably not the first movie I remember seeing. Uh, not the first movie I saw, but it's the first one that made a core memory in my brain. I mean, the first movie I saw was probably like fucking Pete's Dragon. You know what I mean? Some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You got to see Ghostbusters. I have a very strong memory of the first movie. One of the first movies I saw in the theater was uh, was was Big, and I remember my mom oh, covering my yeah. eyes when Elizabeth Perkins took her shirt off, but was still wearing a bra. Yeah, but I was young enough for it to be like the yeah. boy can't see the girls. By the way, the least troubling thing about that scene mm-hmm. is elizabeth perkins tits oh yeah no the fact that she was fucking a child fucking a child yeah he's fucking a child (laughs) yeah yeah but he had man parts though i knew it's all right i knew she was a pedo (laughs) i was suspected (laughs) Uh, that's why she did the flintstones she knew she could easily like lure children by being like you know that cartoon you loved as a child you know those vitamins you put in your mouth now put me in your mouth (laughs) child because (laughs) i'm in the flintstones it's so dark i that's just what i immediately thought first of all what was she in the flintstones she was fucking wilma 
in the Flintstones movie with John Goodman. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. It's not good. But, you know, Ooh, we right. were we yeah. were 12 and it was That would have been a weird it. moment in time where I'm like I'm too old for the fucking Flintstones movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cuz I'm like I'm going to watch fucking I we we were like kind Um of, have you seen Reservoir Dogs? Yeah. It's fucking Fuck amazing. That. We thought it was kind of cool like oh this is cool that it's happening but my dad because I mean if you don't remember people don't remember this not even you cuz you're not even this old but the Flintstones was a primetime sitcom 100%. that just happened to be animated. Yep. So it was fun for adults and children. So my dad, when he saw the Flintstones, he was the one that was more stoked to see it when we went and saw it. That's crazy. And then at the end, he's like, well, that was terrible. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. Well, the Flintstones was essentially the honeymooners with less wife beating. Yes, less of it. Yeah. Yes, less mentions of it. A, a, yeah. a lot less. Although a whole beating. lot of animal slavery. So much animal <laughs> so slavery. So much animal slavery. I that was cool pelican. with it. I was cool with the animal slavery until every single one of them talked. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a living. Like fucking <laughs> your shower is this indentured brontosaurus neck. That, oh. And you're like, what the fuck? I'm like, it was cool until I realized that they're self-aware. Like you can't have this person be a slave. They have feelings and they have yeah. thoughts and they have abstract thoughts. And now I'm wondering if the makers of the Flintstones were right wing Christians. Probably. You know I what guess. I mean? The dinosaurs didn't mix it up with people. Nope, never. They didn't. Nope. They didn't. Nope. Unless you, you ask the Christians, yeah. Then Jesus was riding a dinosaur <laughs> into Galilee. Sean Moriarty. Oh, there's a whole. No- oh, we're doing a thing. Oh no, we're gonna. There's do other questions. Question the second, my friend. Mm-hmm. What is the movie that scared you the most, or scares you the most? Are you? Do you like being scared? First, yes, of all? I enjoy being scared. It doesn't. You're a horror movie often. guy. I'm a horror movie guy, so that's why only the best and scariest horror movies actually can affect me now. Okay. Like, I don't, for the most part, since I was, let's see, since I was about, like, 19 or 20, it takes a lot for a horror movie to actually irk me, to either disturb me or, like, give me nightmares or make me want to keep the light on. But when I was younger and my dad decided it was a good idea in when I was 12 or 13 to show a Catholic school boy who believes all this nonsense is real to show me The Exorcist... Yeah. Uh, the Exorcist still like there's something deeply rooted inside me that still scares the shit out of me because yeah. even though I don't believe in all that nonsense anymore, at the time I was like, "This is real. This happens. Exorcisms are real. Demonic possession is real, and this is based on a true story." To my, I wasn't old enough to understand the nuance of what based on a true story means now yeah. where it's like right. you can do whatever the fuck you want and they took a quite a bit of creative license with that I movie they took their liberties quite a bit of liberty <laughs> uh, but to me that was real and so still to this day scenes in the exorcist fuck me up bro it, it's a scary fucking movie and it's a perfect and beyond movie. that it's it, a perfectly crafted movie it, yeah it's an excellent film it's unbelievably well acted Max von Sydow is fucking legend and he wasn't even that old like they really no. they put old no, ass they, makeup on him to make him look a lot older than he yep, was they aged him up yeah for sure so now when you see max von Sydow, you're like man he hasn't aged and i'm like no that's called makeup. i know i know fix so i knew that this film was going to come up in this question because <laughs> i'm catholic at some point <laughs> not with you but just in general someone was going to say the exorcist of course and i'm probably just going to put out an, an edict that we mm-hmm. never talk about The Exorcist again because we get it. It's the fucking scary fucking movie, dude. It is terrifying. Yeah. Linda Blair's performance, the practical effects that they used for that fucking movie to make her. 
I mean, the backwards walking. And oh, Jesus. I'm, Jesus Christ. Dude. The backwards I mean, walking has been copied so many times. So too. many times. Uh, and the funny thing is... Because it's, it's still a horrifying visual. Well, now, yeah. But now the crazy thing is you ask a kid now, like, the backwards walking thing, and they'll be like, oh, if they do that now in an American movie, that's stolen from Japanese horror. And I'm like, and Japanese horror stole it from fucking The Exorcist. Right? That was the first time we'd really seen anything like that. Well, 100%. barring any kind of... There's probably some, like, avant-garde. There's probably... Somebody saw a screenshot of a of a celluloid clip of a lost film from the 20s that nobody ever know, has yeah. known that did it. And, but... So, you know, you always got to think maybe somebody was inspired by this, but, like, that is Ooh. the glaring example. And it's been copied so much, but... So that, much of it that has movie been. just and and fucking Linda Blair, good on you because I'm sure that Linda Blair, if she wanted to, could probably sue the studio for whatever fucked up shit. Because famously, Linda Blair kind of went off the child actor deep end. Yeah. After that yeah. movie, right? Yeah, hundred percent. She went full Drew Barrymore, I, but I, without the comeback. <laughs> Drew Barrymore, I think, was a little more successful. Oh, like, like now, than yeah. Linda Blair. Yeah, you know. But at the time, it was like Firestarter versus Exorcist. Mm, I'm taking Exorcist. She's magical, so magical. <laughs> Fucking Kate Hudson's impression of her. Oh, that's from the. Yeah. Uh, oh, what is it? The who's the guy? The the AFI guy. The no, James Lipton. James Lipton. Where yeah, yeah. Will Ferrell would play James Lipton, and he would always have somebody on to do a perfect the impression inside the actors. They studio. always nailed it. Pretty much every actor, even if they didn't have a good episode, if they put them in an impression, it was clear that they had that in their quiver. Like, yeah, Toby Maguire was that was not a great episode, but no. when he does Keanu Reeves, oh. <laughs> it's so perfect, so good. Do you, there's an episode of Inside the Actors Studio where Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. is asks a question. I think it was Sean. Penn? It was Sean Penn. Yep. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. And he yeah. Watching Bradley Cooper ask Sean Penn this question with his dumb crooked face. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bradley Cooper. I love Bradley Cooper. I, I love too, Bradley man. Cooper. I honestly think Bradley Cooper doesn't get enough love for his early shit. I thought the A Team movie was better than everybody gave it credit for, and I thought he was a great face. I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's a fine film. That's one of the few movies made off of an 80s sitcom that's yeah, actually worth a damn. Kind of worth. There's a handful of movies. Most of the time, you got to fucking take a weird angle on it, like the Brady Bunch movie where you're making fun of it. Oh, it's them in the 90s. That first yeah. Brady Bunch movie was awesome. Brady Bunch 2 is better. The very Brady sequel where it's Homeboy so, from Animal House rolls in as the dad dude. and the stupid... Well, because were you a fan of the show? Yeah. So I watch tons of reruns of the show. So I love that they're. I was like, oh, they're going to Hawaii. They're going to do the fucking cursed ink. But that wasn't enough of it. It was good, but uh, the first It one, was great. I liked the first I one better. Know. I liked it. Back to the. What's that? Uh, we got another question? Sean Moriarty. Oh, Jesus. Question the third. Oh, this one. What so called <laughs> bad movie do you absolutely love? It's not a critical darling. Oh, is it? It's not well reviewed, but you say, fuck those people. This is brilliant. I'm kind of upset that you included this question with me Why? because you know this. Because we've podcasted together I know what forever, it is. And I you know, know that I, know I what it love is. a thousand terrible movies. And that's the problem. It's hard to narrow it down because there's so many bad movies I love. Like, it's almost impossible to pull one for the episode. Just say Batman Forever and we'll move on. No, that's because there's so many. No, Batman Forever I wouldn't pull because Batman Forever is not the worst of those. Batman and Robin is. The one with Arnold. Yeah, but you love Batman Forever. Uh, We'll get to Batman Forever later. I have a big thing about that later. But I love so many terrible movies. Rocky IV, not a great movie. But my favorite Rocky movie. That might actually be the ultimate answer to this question. Yes, Masters of the Universe. Because... (sighs) 
I you got to remember, I'm four years old in 1987, I and I love the cartoons. So just the fact that they put this muscle bound, greased up motherfucker yeah. on screen, and Frank Langella's fucking Skeletor was legit. He was Pretty awesome amazing. in it. it was he good was really makeup. good in it. Uh, I like Jaws the Revenge. It's horrible. They they run a motorless boat into Whoa. a shark at the end, wow. and it explodes wow. once the like the yeah. ballast touches it. That is uh, big. Every Sharknado movie, I love because of sharks, and I love sharks. Even The Fourth Awakens, okay, <laughs> which is probably the. I weakest. mean, eventually you do have to answer the question. I know it's okay. Fuck, this is fucked up, but it's honestly it's Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. That's your answer. It's one of the worst movies ever made. So not only Ooh. is it not necessarily a critical darling, but it's a terrible misfire as a movie. What I love about it is, one, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze with his nonstop freeze and cold puns. Non. Out of control. Stop. Two, Alicia Silverstone I was obsessed with as a kid because she actually, she was a student of my uncle's and I met her at his wedding and like I asked her to dance and I was like 11 and shit. So like, she's going to be Batgirl. This girl I kind of know is going to be Batgirl. So there was that. But Did she lick her lips and chew her gum? <laughs> she, from what I understood, I, I remember my aunt saying that, like, that they thought it wasn't very classy that she was wearing a dress, but that she was sitting cross-legged on the sinks in the bathroom smoking a cigarette when my aunts went in to use the bathroom. And I was like, I think she's even more awesome. Yeah. I'm so in <laughs> like, love with her now. That's a bad thing? Oh, my God. Oh my God, yeah. God, um, she was such a smoker. She's a smoke show. But the the main thing I loved is, is as I came from loving the Batman TV show, the 1960s Batman TV show, which was a gag. As a child, you don't realize that. That's why that mo- that show was so effective. Kids were obsessed with it because they took it seriously. Adults thought it was hilarious because it was not taken seriously. It was a complete lampoon of comic books at the time. In the 60s, comic books were ridiculous. They were over 100%. the top. Yeah. So I loved that Joel Schumacher and his infinite wisdom decided after really making Batman Forever more colorful and more family-friendly for with Batman Forever to essentially go like, hey guys... <laughs> What if we just put the Adam West TV show in modern times? Yeah. On, and that's what that was. Yeah. So if you watch it through that prism, it's actually pretty fucking entertaining. And so I watch it once or twice a year. Okay. Because, and my wife hates it because she's just like, oh, Jesus, I got to sit through this shit again. And, yeah. I, and, and it's not short. <laughs> Those Batman no, movies are long as shit. Short. It's like two and a half hours. There's three Batman suits, 14 villains. Bane, Bane is just... Just Poison Ivy's henchman yeah. who goes like, raw, raw, Bane. <laughs> She'll be like, Bane, close the door. And he goes, door, close. <laughs> it's so unbelievably bad that for me it crosses over into good again. All right, talk to me about one thing about this movie. Okay. And that is George Clooney's performance is... George Clooney is Batman? Yeah, not believable. Not believable in the suit. One of the better Bruce Waynes when it comes to how he so? plays it. Do you really think that? Because he just embodied Bruce Wayne to me. Like, his the way his... the uh, And this is the thing. With the suit on, uh, that impedes everything in an actor. Every actor up until okay. b- b- fucking Christian Bale in The Dark Knight actually in the movie was like, can you write it in that I can turn my fucking head around? I need a modifier for the suit. Because for 10 years... Nobody could move their head. They couldn't pee in the suit. They couldn't breathe. Yeah. They were sweating in there. So it fucks up your ability to act. Clooney in the suit, you don't get the nuances of his facial movements no. and everything that you do with the kind of subtle way that Clooney portrays He's this like different playboy kind of type guy. Yeah. I thought he was a good Bruce Wayne. Okay. And I thought that as Batman, I didn't believe it, even All as right. a child. Before we move on, just real quick, rank yes. your Bruce Waynes. Bruce Waynes? Not Batman's. Bruce Waynes. Bruce Waynes. Fuck. 
All right, Bruce Wayne's. Um, do, can we go? Take your time. I can edit have, this. And so these, these are actors, right? Yeah, the actors. Man, fuck, rank my Bruce Wayne's. I know. I'd I probably know. say Keaton would be yeah. number one, just because I like his eccentricity and just the way that he played. I think that that's Bruce Wayne to me. That's 100%. kind of what I hear in my head. Hundred um, percent. I don't think. And then right, actually, fucking no, fuck that. Tied with that is um, Kevin Conroy. The voice of Batman and Batman the Animated Series because okay. when he played Bruce Wayne, yeah. he had this very soft. It wasn't. Uh, it no, felt he was like great. for his performance, rather than um, I. And the reason that I think that Kevin Conroy is tied with him for Bruce Wayne is because I believe that Kevin Conroy did the opposite of what so many Batman actors have done with the voice, where he was putting on a voice for Bruce Wayne, and his actual real voice is closer to Batman. He had this more soft-spoken, nice. Like, kind of the way we see yeah. Thomas Wayne now, this nice, benevolent, charity-driven, rich guy. And right. he was so much more soft-spoken. And I just, I love Batman the Animated Series. I think it's one of the best incarnations oh, of Batman. It's amazing, yeah. It's so awesome. So I'd say those are tied for my first. Clooney, then. Wow. For Bruce Wayne specifically. Just wow. because something, nope, about, something about Clooney in the 90s, the way he All had right. his swagger. Something about it worked. The writing was shit. We don't have a lot to mine from it, but his performance as Bruce Wayne, okay. I thought, was more believable than I'm others. definitely taking notes. Then Bale. <laughs> ah, oh, okay. Ah, nope, sorry. Then, let's say Clooney. Yeah, Clooney, Bale. Then Val <laughs> Kilmer. Thank you. Then, because I like Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne a lot. It, the the had only reason I that. asked this question was to figure out where Val Kilmer falls. Yeah. I think he was my second favorite. Bruce oh yeah 100% oh he's great as Bruce Wayne and well he he's got a lot more to work with that Batman Forever has a lot more to deal with Bruce Wayne and Bruce yeah. Wayne's psychosis about that whole most of that movie is about him whether it is do I have to be Batman or do I choose to be Batman which he and, decides by the end of it and Christian Bale's a fine choice like I think his Bruce Wayne is really cool and it's fun when but he's like my one. least favorite Batman and you get less Bruce Wayne really throughout it like yeah. the first one you get a lot of Bruce Wayne the second one you get a little bit and in the third one, you get quite a bit of Bruce Wayne, but it's like the weird, I'm Christopher Nolan, and I've decided that Bruce Wayne has a cane and is hidden away for seven years, yeah. which is a controversial decision. Um, and then I'd say Pattinson, just because we haven't gotten enough of him as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, there's no... He's well, mostly oh, Batman. Oh, where, where does Affleck... The Batman. He's probably my last, just because we haven't yeah. seen enough. He might move up the list. Pattinson Yeah, because in, the, in... Oh, oh yeah, fucking Affleck. Affleck's the last. Yeah. Affleck's Agre- definitely the last. Agreed. And it's not his fault. I like his Batman. I like his Batman. But I don't love him as Bruce I Wayne. I didn't because, and the thing is, is I it's tough for me to separate his performance from the writing because his Bruce Wayne is not the Bruce Wayne that we've, like, Bruce Wayne's smarter than that. Bruce Wayne's yeah. less, uh, less, uh, how do I say it? Less, like, he's less of an idiot who's just going to make these crazy decisions based on a whim which is what we saw with Affleck's Batman for the most part Affleck has become kind of an auteur you know what I mean he's a better director than he is an actor and I like way better fucking director than he is an actor he I love the guy in a lot of ways but like even as an actor and a director I get a little like off put like I love the town I think the town is one of my fucking favorite movies I think it's fucking fabulous Mm -hmm. also like 
why did he have to include all these shots of him shirtless doing pull-ups? He's just like, oh, I could do pull-ups, so I have to put this in my fucking movie. Like, nobody gives a shit. Well, he's trying to get J-Lo back. You know what I mean? And it worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it worked. Got her back. But yeah, no, I, I just watched a movie with him uh, two nights ago. Um, I'd read the book a long time ago um, because I was a restaurant person, The Tender Bar. Oh, I've heard it's good. The movie's really good. Him as really Uncle good. Charlie... I'm like, this is Affleck. And I like Affleck in smaller movies. I classically love I Affleck. Too. Affleck in Chasing Amy. Affleck in Dogma, where he's just this mouthy, like, mouthy, but, like, endearing kind of character. That's that's where I like Affleck. I like that. Sean Moriarty. Oh, God. Why do you keep saying my full name? I feel like my mom's yelling for me to come in for dinner. Know. I'm supposed to be a good host. Question the fourth. What movie character do you best identify with? Like, this is easy. You watch it. That's me. Yep. It's it's Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Jesus, a I horrible wish, answer. I wish a horrible life for everyone. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay. But that was my immediate. Oh I was like, God. I'm going to say Patrick Bateman, completely empty inside. <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, so, don't get me wrong. I get it. Um, I know this isn't a question on here, um, but I'm going to have to conjure the all three character, three main characters from my favorite movie of all time because I believe I am an amalgam of all three. Oh, God, it's good. And that movie is Jaws. Ooh. Yes, that movie is Jaws. So I feel like I'm an amalgam of all three. I am a combo of Brody. I am this person who is like always gets angry when I see injustice and is always the protector. Like as as someone who's as big as I am, as of with my family, with girlfriends, with my friends, I have always been the protector. I've been the muscle a little bit like that, which is Chief Brody. He's the protector. He is the chief of police of Amity Island. I am also a little bit of Matt Hooper because I am this like know-it-all who comes from a little bit of privilege and I make sure that everybody knows that I know it all because I can't stop running my mouth and I can kind of be annoying with how much I know it all, which is very Matt Hooper played by Richard Dreyfuss. And then I'm a super fun drunk with fucked up stories like Quint, (laughs) the shark hunter, who's also probably due to his own fucking like uh, his own self-love and own kind of believing his own story would fall into the shark's mouth rather than respecting it. (laughs) Right. And like actually trying to kill it right instead of just going balls to the walls. I'd probably die like Quint. So I'm like, I feel like I'm a healthy mix of all three. I mean, that's an acceptable answer. I like that. I think you're more um, Dreyfus. Than any of those guys. I'm getting in a a fucking cage and I'm going down there. And let me explain to you. We all, well... (laughs) Cage goes in the water. <laughs> you go in the cage. You go in the cage. Cage goes cage in, the water. in the water. Sharks in the water. Sharks in the water. Our, Our shark. <laughs> Farewell and adieu oh. to your fine Spanish ladies. I know. Farewell and adieu. And ladies. now I have to tell everybody that they can't use Jaws anymore. <laughs> <laughs> one of the greatest movies of all time. You can't. Oh use my god! That. I mean, okay. it's a few, one of the few perfect movies in my opinion. Well, yeah, we could take a second to discuss that. It is actually one of the most perfect films ever fucking made. It is. I think people, it's one of those movies that I think everyone thinks they've seen. Right. Because it's, you've seen enough of it, but you're like, I've seen, but when you actually watch Jaws. I watch it so much. I've seen it a million times. It's the movie I've seen the most. It's a family drama. Mm -hmm. It's a fucking adventure movie. It's a a fish out of water story. It's totally a fish out of water. Because this guy comes from the city to where, to an island where he's scared of water. It is, yeah. 
It's a fabulous it's, fucking movie. It's probably it's a better man versus beast story than the than fucking Moby Dick and Moby I mean, Dick kind of inspired it. Honestly, the only real horror movie element to that movie I think is when the head pops out of the boat and you scream yeah. your ass off. Well, there's where the guy gets like, bitten in his biggest... leg and his like severed leg oh, floats yeah, down. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty horrific. And another thing about it is it's a movie where you I've it's the movie I've seen the most. I've watched that movie since I first saw it. I've just been obsessed with it my whole life. I still like notice something new every time I watch every it. Every time. Yeah. So I made a, and we'll move on in a second. I made one weird connection between Jaws and Jordan Peele's new movie. Uh, nope. 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 There's a moment where in the beginning of Jaws, the girl is swimming. And I know this happened purely by happenstance because the shark didn't work or whatever. But all you see of her is get she's getting tugged. Dipped. Like tugged a little yeah, bit. Yeah. She's like. It's Hug. horrifying. And you're it's horrifying. <laughs> it's a scary It's part. really scary, right? And there's a scene in Nope where the chimpanzee goes batshit. And you don't no see spoilers. But it's a spoiler. But no, you don't see at yeah. all what's happening. All you see is her toes yep. getting pulled forward. Yep. And you're like, that is, is fucked. Yep. What and then later happening? on, you just see it through the eyes of the kid. Through the eyes you of the kid. You just see it. Just all, you, all I need to do is hear what's happening and then show me the reaction of a child. That's scarier than showing the real shit. I would love to be able to sit down and do this podcast with Jordan Peele and oh. ask, ask him that question. Like, did that ha- like how influenced by Jaws were you? Yeah. Because there's a lot of Jaws in Nope. And the crazy thing about why it's such a perfect movie is because of the accidental way that they had to avoid showing the shark, which actually, like, which was Steven Spielberg's call. He was like, we can either sit around and wait and waste all this money because they were already over budget, or we could go Hitchcock with it and let's just show less and build the drama. And that's why it's one of the most perfect It became suspenseful rather than horrific. Yep. Yeah, 100%. All right, Sean Moriarty. <laughs> this one, I already know your answer to this, but what movie makes you cry always? Uh, yeah, that would be The Passion of the Christ, but the tears are always from laughter. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Always just because I'm laughing so hard while they beat that Judean piece of shit. <laughs> it is ironically the funniest movie made since Life of Brian. <laughs> right? Yeah, funniest Jesus movie and funniest Mel Gibson directed movie, for sure. <laughs> Uh, no, but for real. Okay, so the two movies that come to mind here are... I, it was tough for me to narrow it down because I cried a lot of things. <laughs> I cry at movies, make me cry a lot. But I'd say it has to be a tie right down the middle between Logan and Warrior. Ooh, wow. Logan and Warrior make me cry on cue at certain points every single time I watch them, and I've seen both of them quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to pick one, but so we got to flesh this out a little bit. If I had to pick one, which one? If I had to pick one, let's say this. Both of them make me cry at certain points every time. But Warrior makes me like ugly, blubbery, like man cry. Like to, I am a ball of a human. So, it's okay, Tommy. Yeah. It's okay. You could tap Tommy. I am a ma- I'm going to cry right now thinking about so it. So we got to be clear like to our listeners. A lot of people haven't seen that movie. Warrior is probably to- it's probably in the top three best sports movies ever made, and so many people haven't seen it. It's the same guy that directed um, Miracle. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Gavin. Yeah, I can't oh, Goodness remember. gracious. I, I can't, can't remember, remember his name. I'll look it up. But, but the performances, Tom, Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, and Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte makes me cry every time he goes back to drinking in the movie, and then the end makes me cry every single time. I, Gavin O'Connor. 
is the Gavin O'Connor. But it's and a movie about two brothers who were raised by a dad who was an alcoholic. Um, one, both brothers were really into wrestling. They were like champions in wrestling. Yep. And then one brother went to the military. The other brother became um, a teacher. But the brother who's a teacher is having a little bit of a rough time with money. So he does these like kind of underground MMA fights on the side. Tom Hardy also decides to get into MMA fighting to help out uh, somebody who he promised in the military. So it's touching oh. on all the heart-wrenching moments. Like Buddy who died in the military, he's doing it for him. The dad's an alcoholic. Both of the kids hate yep. him, but one's going to work with him. You've got this. The then Joel Edgerton's like trying to provide for his kids and be the good guy, but he's got to go on the other side of the tracks to do this shit. It's like they hit every man cry, every note. fucking note that they can get. And so, and my wife. It's not just men that cry at that movie. My wife cried her eyes out the first time we saw that in the theater. Yeah, she didn't know what it was at the time. She's like, "What is this movie?" Even I'm like, "We got to go see this movie." Yeah. And it's an MMA movie, so that already alienates some audience because they don't. Yeah, people don't. I don't like UFC. Some it's barbaric. Video, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. I don't want to watch it, and I'm like, yeah. that's that's a, only a little bit of what that movie's about, even though it's a lot of bit of the third act with yeah. the competition. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to say, Warrior. Warrior beats Logan because I now that I've seen Logan ten or fifteen times ish, yeah. it's like the, I still roll tears, but I don't like blubber. Warrior makes me blubber. I, I can't. I just watched it. I shit you not, like three nights ago with my lady friend and she had never seen it before and she was so like off put at first. She's like, what are we watching? Like, this is some like fighting movie. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, not I was like, really. just, I just it's about fathers and lid. sons. <laughs> I was like, just settle down. You're going to understand this movie like really soon. And then we're both just sitting on the couch. And I mean, I'm inconsolable. <laughs> I've seen that movie 30 times. Yeah. And every time I see it. Never it never gets any easier. I'm fucking blubbering. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's fucking so It's good. a beautiful movie and people oh. need to see Warrior more. Yeah. And I thought I mean, that maybe that was going to be retired because you mentioned it on Jesse K's podcast and I was like, fuck, that's my movie. I mentioned it, but that's not my answer. Oh, so it wasn't an answer. So it didn't count. No, that was just me bringing up something that she knows very well. Like I made her watch that movie. And she cried with me too. So yep. <laughs> that's my rite of passage, I guess, for girlfriends. Yep. Is like I make them cry with me watching Warrior, which is almost abusive. <laughs> right? Yeah. We're, we're self abusive. <laughs> I guess so. It's like we're uh, emotionally flagellating <laughs> ourselves, like in the Scarlet Letter, like the priest from the Scarlet Letter. Right. It just like whips himself. I'm like, you know what? I deserve to cry. I'm a piece of shit. I'm going to go cry in the corner while I watch a fighting movie. Self flagellation. Really flagellation. Yep. All right, Sean Moriarty, this is my favorite question. <laughs> Who is your favorite actor, and what is their worst film? That's This is another one that was so tough to narrow down because I love so many actors, and throughout my life I did have... Like, when I was younger, it was Jim Carrey and everything because I was of that age. He was I was the demographic. Um, and then when I thought about it, I went back to the first movie I remember seeing, which is Ghostbusters. If I really had to, to say over the course of my entire life of watching movies... That Bill Murray Whoa. is probably my favorite actor because he has made me laugh the most. He has a surprisingly wide range. If you've seen yeah. Lost in Translation or seen any of his dramatic performances, that motherfucker. Um, what can was act. the the movie with uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy? Oh yeah, uh, Saint Vincent. Saint Vincent. Yeah, that was not the band. really good. Really good. Where he plays like the asshole neighbor, but that he has was the great. Breath. He was great in it. Um, so I'd probably have to say Bill Murray. And that's Love an it. easy question, easy answer for what is your worst movie? Garfield 2, A Tale of Two Kitties. <laughs> that is the worst movie that he's done. He even makes fun of himself for making that movie. 
So let's spend 30 minutes breaking down the two Garfield films. <laughs> and why it's Garfield I never even too. saw the second one. I saw the first one simply because Bill Murray was the voice of Garfield. I mean, we all enjoyed Garfield uh, as much as you like, oh, hey, you know, my dad's secretary has a comic up with a right. cat that's fat and likes lasagna. That's about where it ended. Um, just as a side note, do you have a favorite Bill Murray film? Like, can you even narrow that down? Because uh, I know I don't it's think it's gotta I could. be. It's gotta be Ghostbusters, just because of how long I've loved that movie and just loved his Ghost, performance yeah. in it, and just that Venkman character. That's which he's. I feel like the, the right Venkman answer. character was the best use of his and the best environment for him to be allowed to kind of just go off. Whereas like his that kind of character as like Tripper in or Tripper in Meatballs. He was kind yeah, yeah, of that yeah, Bill Murray yeah, yeah, character, yeah, yeah. but it's not as refined and not as perfect as it is in Ghostbusters. Um, second favorite, if I had to choose after Ghostbusters, this is going to be a controversial thing, but where the Buffalo Roam. I enjoyed. Oh, his. I enjoyed. I was a big fan of uh, of, of Hunter S. Thompson's Hunter S. Thompson, writing as a, yeah. as a young man because I enjoyed drugs. Uh, so <laughs> so I, his I like version his, of it was really good. I like his performance in that movie. I, love I don't love the movie. The movie's not very well. It's they tried Peter to take, Boyle is also the in movie. That one. If it was sold to me as an anthology movie, if it was sold to me as a version of some of Hunter S. Thompson's books where it's short stories, yeah. It would make sense because there's not vignettes. a real narrative. It's yeah. vignettes. It's vignettes that of important points, but the narrative doesn't really exist yeah. <laughs> in that movie. It's like a collection of Hunter's articles, pretty much, and yep. as told. By yeah, Bill it's like Murray. Fear and Loathing on the campaign trail. But he was great in that role. It's the Fear and Loathing at the Super Bowl where they go to the Super Bowl. And they don't go to the Super Bowl, but they sell the tickets to yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the two pimps <laughs> who just somehow work their way on the television. And instead of having the Super Bowl, he makes his own Super Bowl in his hotel room. With a bunch of staff that he's like ordered things to the room and he just keeps grabbing whatever staff member yeah. comes in and putting pads on them and making a football game inside the hotel. Gotcha. Which sounds more exciting than most Super Bowls to me because I you know the Broncos aren't in it. I don't <laughs> give a shit. All right, Sean. Question the seventh. This is an interesting one. What film do you find the sexiest? That's a two-way tie between Schindler's List for its scintillating shower scenes and Irreversible for its erotic tunnel of love scene. Jesus Christ. I thought about that one for a while. What could upset the audience the most? You literally wrote that in. (laughs) Scintillating shower scenes and Schindler's List I've wanted to say forever because it's the worst thing I could possibly say. That's not the first time we've made that joke on the podcast. (laughs) Is it not? No. No, I've made uh, that joke must before. Have, yeah. at, least no, had, but irreversible. at least I had a shower scene. But irreversible. I mean, come on, man. When I went to New York and I actually got to go into a subway tunnel, it was tough to stay flaccid. Wow. No, that's horrible. That's that worse. And nobody that's listening to this has probably seen irreversible. No. Don't go watch that movie. No. Now. Wait till you forget that I said that yeah. so that you love me still, and then go watch that movie. The Gaspar No. Yeah, uh, masterpiece that is yes. un, uh, irreversible. It is actually a fucking brilliant movie. Brilliant, but, but hard it's to watch. Got twenty minutes of the worst shit you'll ever see in your yeah. fucking life. Is that combining the and not like in a Serbian movie kind of disturbing way? Uh, I feel like the, the face getting caved in with a extinguisher scene, which you can add oh, on to that. God, yeah, is fuck. really hard to watch. That yeah. is hard to watch. Yeah, yeah that it's is not hard as hard to watch. to watch as the rape scene. That we're uh, talking about in the subway tunnel, bleh. and it's no soundtrack. There's no music. It, it no. is just breathing. It's awful and crying, awful. and it's the awful. it stayed awful. with me. Awful. Which is why I have to make fun of it because this is how I deal with things. So, uh, what's your real answer? What's my real day? answer? All right, the sexiest movie to me, I think, is Boogie Nights. 
Now, Ooh, Boogie right. Nights, for several reasons. One, uh, used to be obsessed with Heather Graham, and she's naked a whole lot uh, in that movie. I was about 13, 14 when it came out, and then I got to see it. It was like a movie that I'd heard about, and I was like, that Marky Mark, the, the, the Marky Mark guy is in a movie now, apparently. And so it was this movie I wasn't supposed to see. So I saw it like late night on HBO at my mom's apartment after my parents had got divorced. When she was like asleep, I was like, oh, there's a movie coming on called Boogie Nights. And I read, I go into the TV guide. Remember when you used to have a paper book about what's going on? Like, what's Boogie Nights? And I read (laughs) the little blurb about it. And I'm like, this is about porn in the 70s. Oh, fuck. Yes. So not only is it, do do I kind of, I've always kind of respected the porn industry for all of its, even though it has many faults, it's got a lot of issues. Um, but I just, it was fascinated me as a young man. Like, and I enjoyed watching vintage Name old porns. Um, <laughs> let's start with The Green Door. Yeah. Um, was oh, that Behind the Green Door. Behind the Green Door. Uh, fucking everybody loves. Uh, Debbie Dead Stallis, Debbie Deep Dead Stallis, Deep Throat. Those were two examples where they were actually mainstream Those success. Those were crossover. For yeah. Yeah. So I, and I also, I also had kind of a thing for uh, Julianne Moore. So you got Julianne Moore and See, Heather Graham. I think that's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I think Julianne Moore, I mean, despite the fact that Heather Graham is just fucking lovely. She doesn't get a lot of character development in that movie. Bubbly. She's roller girl. She's yeah. objectified on purpose because that's kind of her character. But the the sex scene between Julianne Moore and Mark Wahlberg. Oh, my God. Where is, she's legitly like. Where she basically walks him through his first uh-huh. porn scene or whatever. Yet is, she has a really intense, real orgasm oh, while filming. Dude. The, and all of these emotions yeah. she's going through and everything that's going through are all very well acted. It's um, fucking sexy. Yeah. As shit. Something sexy about that movie. Man. Mm. Something sexy about the movie. And off-putting. Still, every time I watch that movie, I forget until it happens. I'm like, one of the most uncomfortable feelings I've ever had is just imagining that I'm walking into this mansion to buy or sell drugs. I can't remember from Alfred Molina. And there's just some like Vietnamese kid in the corner throwing poppers. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I have been in cocaine situations. Which apparently is a Similar true story. To, is that all true? Yeah. That is a story that happened to, to P.T. Anderson and he wanted to replicate it. And Thomas Jane, who who's Tom in it, Tom Jane is so good yeah. in that role. And yeah, the kid. And that's oh, and I, the kid playing that role is actually P.T. Anderson's friend. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy that maybe did it in real life. I don't wow. remember the whole story, but yeah, Man. it's but yeah, it's a super sexy movie, dude. Yeah. And um, Alfred Molina was Alfred Molina fucking so fabulous. Fucking, oh, and who who the fuck that we always forget was so. Um. To this day, because of Don Cheadle, oh, I will just always be like, "Hi, Fidelity." I'm always just like explaining stereos <laughs> to people. Like anytime I go into someone's yeah. house and they have they still have like the old stereo set up, I'd be like, "No," I would just start that quoting was, lines from him. that was peak Cheadle. That was the beginning of Cheadle. Well, the really. beginning was Devil in a Blue Dress. The real beginning was Don Cheadle as the uh, guy who ran the hotel in the short-lived single-season Golden Girls spinoff, The Golden Palace. When the Golden Girls got canceled and B. Arthur said, fuck you, there is one lost season that barely anybody's seen where the rest of the girls are helping run a hotel managed by Don Cheadle. There is a whole season of Don Cheadle with most of the Golden Girls. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> You got to talk to your Golden Girls fucking historian over here. Wow, I'm. Can this be obtained? Oh, you can get it. You can actually. I think you can stream it now. They've added it on to the Golden Girls collection on Hulu. You can watch the Golden Palace. That is, and it's not good. It's really. It's the B. Arthur. While you watch the old ones, you're like, she's 
you know, it's almost like when you watch Jerry and Seinfeld, you're like, he's not really that funny. He holds together these great characters. But then you see what happens when you remove that character. Right. And it all falls apart. That's amazing. Yeah. Nice pull. Jesus Christ. I had no idea. How did my answer about what movie is the sexiest go to? And by the way, the Golden Palace. Also. Also. (laughs) All right. Question the eighth. Bring on number eight, bro. This is basically 7B, but it's question the eighth. What movie, and I call this one the weird boner. Mm-hmm. What movie do you find uncomfortably sexy? It so turns simple. you on, yep. but it shouldn't have. It shouldn't. And I have a feeling that a lot of other people were turned on by this movie or else it wouldn't have been as mildly successful as it is. But it is David Cronenberg's Crash. That movie makes way too much sense to me. And like, I, while I've never actually been fucking sexually aroused by a horrific car crash, watching that movie for the first time, it moved a little bit. And I was like... Why do I understand why these people get a sexual thrill from almost dying in a car wreck? If you don't know about this movie, this is a Cronenberg yeah, movie. Go on. With, with, um, why I'm am I forgetting his speechless. name? Spader. James Spader. James Spader. James Spader and his wife, like, who's Nita's, the creepiest man that's ever lived. He's the creepiest mother. He's creepy in the office, even when he's trying to be funny. He's the voice of Ultron for all you young kids. He is indeed. Um, or you've seen The Blacklist. He's in The Blacklist. Sex Lies and Videotape. He's the bad guy in, uh, 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 Pretty in Pink. He's the bad guy in Pretty in Pink. Yep. He's uh, he's kind of the same exact bad guy in the movie version of uh, Less Than Zero, isn't he? No, yeah. he's the main yeah. character in Less Than Zero. He's not. He's not the douchebag. No, he's, the he's not guy. the douchebag. Yeah, um, but he's played that douchebag before. God, he is. But yeah, wow. Sexual thrill. Him and his wife. It starts with him and his wife needing to like spice things up, and they accidentally get in a car wreck, and that finds them so aroused that they just like fuck in the wreckage. And I was like, why do I also f-? so. Cronenberg tapped into something there. No, he did. Yeah. Okay. I was not expecting this. You were not? What were you expecting me to say? I don't know. I didn't didn't really have any preconceived notions. Really? None? No. Um, You weren't like, it's probably... I thought it would have been like Jessica Rabbit or fucking Lola Bunny. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people probably answer this question by like, oh, like, it's weird that I was attracted to a cartoon or it's weird that I... No, you're actually taking something that is... Very specifically fucked up. Yep. And it turned you on. But let's be clear about something. He cast Deborah Kara Unger. Oh, yeah. The blonde. Uh-huh. Is that her name? Yeah. She's so. completely fucking hot. Yeah. 100% hot. All the way hot. Holly Hunter is underrated hot. She is. People don't talk she about is. her as a sex symbol, but fuck off. I mean, Holly Hunter, Holly Hunter fucking- can get it. I know no she. Could, I know it. she couldn't hear shit, but in piano, when she drops the fucking moo moo or whatever, I was like, "Holy shit!" And then Rosanna Arquette is in it, yes. who is just. I love Rosanna. Hello, Arquette. boobies. I love Sorry, Rosanna Arquette. She has great boobs. She She's does. Rosanna Arquette. Yes. Also, the whole family, great actors. A lot of issues, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, they as lost. A you know. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. they lost. We lost. Uh, uh, took his own life, or took her own life. Now, sorry. Uh, God, why am I fucking spacing on the name of their uh, former brother who was in like Pulp Fiction and was in The Wedding Singer and then uh, trans, then transitioned and then uh, Alexis Arquette. Oh my God, that's right. Amazing I totally actor. Forgot but it was about dealing that. with a lot of fucking trauma yeah, and shit. And then I ended totally up taking, I think, that. took her own life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, that question got dark and sad, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm eating pizza. 
That's all right. We're both eating pizza. That's what I'm if here for. If you guys hear smacking. And I'm honestly, you should give me, you should have done a special episode with me that was just like 18 different variations of weird boner questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a fucking fabulous answer, dude. I was not expecting that. Have at all. you ever gotten a boner at a funeral? The answer is not no, but let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> First of all, all right, my friend. Question the eighth, or I'm sorry, the question the ninth. You're a funny man. Some would call you a comedian. You do comedy for. I do well, podcast not for a living. comedy. Not for a living. We don't. I'm get, funny we don't get at paid. a bar. We don't get paid. I'm funny on a podcast, but I haven't developed a set. I'm not a funny. I was a funny writer from what I was told. Where's your tight five? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when are you going to put together your tight five? It's Come a on. lot. It's what a film lot. makes you laugh the most? Holy and shit. this doesn't mean what is the greatest comedy of all time. Of course not. Um, what makes you laugh? Uh, the Hangover. The Hangover. Ooh. That Hangover right. is A, one of the most perfect comedy movies to me. B, yeah. when I saw it, oh, once again, we talk about this with like the horror movies. I'm such a fucking movie nerd. I've watched everything a million times. So it's tough to scare me with a horror movie. With comedy movies, it's tough to get me to laugh out loud now, let alone be like rolling on the floor, like crying, laughing. And when I saw the fucking hangover in the theaters, by the way, I saw that in the theaters five times. Yeah. And then I bought the movie and watched it over and over again. Something about the hangover, Todd Phillips just perfectly executed the most outlandish jokes. He basically was like, I want people, I felt like it was like he said, I want people to to look at this as a comedy like they look at Caddyshack or Animal House or something that is like a defining comedy movie of its generation and just nail like there is not a moment the first time you see that movie. There's only a handful of minutes where you're not laughing. Yeah. And the way that they brought Mike Tyson back and just the stupid shit and the the way that they and it, it could be because I'm a guy, too. That might not make women laugh as much because it's that was right on the cusp of us changing kind of the way that, you know, yeah. Being okay with the way men were allowed to be kind of just vicious and mean, yeah, but I mean, sexually motivated assholes, and we just went, "Oh, boys will be boys." That was like the the response to that movie was clearly bridesmaids, which is another one that makes me laugh. I all the fucking time, fucking love that movie. I love bridesmaids. That's one of my hilarious. I'd say bridesmaids is right under for recent movies. It's right under it. It's right there. Yeah. Um, I think The Hangover is a fabulous answer for a couple of reasons. One. They let Zach Galifianakis breathe in that role. Like, Todd let him, Todd, my buddy Todd, let him just kind of inhabit that character in a way that, like, I know that's not on the script. You know what I mean? They didn't write that. Zach Galifianakis fucking filled up that role with his bullshit idiocy. Oh, yeah. Um, He does one of the worst slash greatest comedy sets of all time. Oh, yeah, Live at the Purple uh, the Onion? Live at the Purple oh, yes. Onion. It is painfully bad, but I can't stop laughing. I can't. Either. At all, because you're just watching a drunk idiot that just happens Who to be... Who thinks it, and it wasn't on purpose, but it seems like it's on purpose, so you love it's it. not. It's not I don't think it was. I he think he was to, he doesn't trying really to do his out. set, like, to the best of his ability. Yeah. And it's still funny, but it's funny because... It's uncomfortable, uncomfortably to a wrong. And then what he's everybody, doing. the audience is laughing. When oh. They're supposed to be laughing, but for a different reason. For a different reason, they're laughing. not laughing at the jokes. Yeah, 
they're laughing. It, it, it's I don't know. It's I think and it's, they let him and they picked a great guy with Ed Helms to kind of be the straight guy because oh, Ed Helms comes from perfect. a good improv background too. Perfect. Ed Helms was amazing on The Office. When you let Ed Helms just fucking go off, especially as a straight man, like you're basically planting a seed that is going to grow comedy of everybody else and him. So one of the reasons I also love Bradley Cooper is <laughs> an interview that I heard with Kim Young. Ken Young. Ken Jong. Ken Jong. Yes. Sorry, I'm an asshole. That's all. Ken right. Jong, um, who went to Duke, mm-hmm. is an actual practicing physician. Yeah, I hear he was. Re- <laughs> I hear he was really but, integral on the lacrosse team for specific years. For specific years. Yeah. Um, Super rapey. He he did an interview with uh, Dan Patrick a few years ago that I've seen, and he talks about the scene where Todd Phillips is like, "You're going to be in the trunk, you got to pop out of the trunk," and he's like, "So, what if I do it naked?" And Todd Phillips is just like, "Yeah, fucking a, yeah," and they needed an actor, one of the actors, to let Ken fucking jump on them. With his bare dick. His tiny little dick. <laughs> his he tiny has little the bare tiniest dick. dick and he had a big ass bush yeah. at the time. Big bush. Which I, when no I dead. found that out, yeah. I was like, I thought that that was like a makeup job yeah. to make it look. But no, he was like, wouldn't it be hilarious if with my giant bush and my baby penis yeah. that I jumped out? <laughs> well, and so Todd Phillips goes to the to the guys and they're like, hey, so Ken's going to actually be naked in the trunk and he's going to jump out on one of your shoulders. And you're, you know, and everyone kind of demurred. And Bradley Cooper, I guess, was just like, I got it. I got it. I got it. No, by all means. And just spent like a day <laughs> fucking filming. Fuck yeah. Yeah, out in this fucking That brought Ken yard. Jong. Ken Jong was a doctor who liked to do comedy and do mm-hmm. like uh, improv comedy in LA. And then became this like, he's still, now he hosts, he's mostly like a novelty to a degree where he like, is a co-host of uh, competition shows, yeah, and things right. like that now. But that we—that was the beginning of us seeing Ken Jeong. Oh no, sorry, knocked up. He's the doctor and knocked up. But he's, he's the just doctor kind of and knocked up. But himself. he's very straight. It's very straight. Him as Mr. Chow, which I feel like that was a problem. Is that he was so funny in that that they tried to lean too hard on him as a character to build the next two movies. So the next two movies are all very Mr. Chow heavy. Yeah, and I thought that that was a little bit of a mistake. It was more about the boys and the less said about the next two movies. They're so bad, and that's the thing that shows you how good so they're bad. really roughly bad. I thought the third one when it was going to come out, I was like, "Well, they got John Goodman, and maybe it'll be." They're just so rough because Yikes. you cannot. It's like watch Caddyshack too, for the fifteen minutes it'll take you before you that's just can't really handle it anymore. Good comparison. Yeah, it, it's that big of a fall off. It's that big. It's yeah. just a unbelievable drop down. Um, I think I might know this answer, but I don't know. Question the ten. <laughs> What film can you watch repeatedly over and over again? It's Jaws, motherfucker. It's That's, Jaws. Yeah. I've, I mean, I can just put it on. And if it, and then when I when we used to have regular yeah. television, if I landed on it, that was what I was doing for the next however long yeah. it took. That I is, would just watch it. That is the correct answer. So much so that I even enjoy the second one, which is the least worst of all the sequels. It's pretty much the same thing, almost the same like movie it, again. I like it's the good. second one. Third one is a complete shit show, and the fourth is a joke. And there has been no decent shark movie since. No, really. there was that one with... Okay, for so Deep Blue Sea... Ah, Deep Blue Sea's fun. Has its ah, charms. It's fun. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, for what charming it is, and it's stupid. Fun. It doesn't pretend to be anything That's other true. than what it is. And fucking um, the way that Samuel. What L is goes the name of uh, 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 Ryan Reynolds' wife? 
Uh, oh, Blake, Blake Lively. Uh, Blake Lively. Was it her shark movie was okay. Or no, the one where it's open, not open water. It's the one where she's like stuck on an island after the tide comes up and there's a shark circling Yeah, there. she gets stuck on a rock. That is not a bad for what it is. Those single shot, or not necessarily single shot, but single location character study type movies. Yeah. It's amazing. It was like her buried. Him doing buried, remember, where he's like buried underground. Yeah. Not a lot of people, because some people can't handle those. They need the scenery to change too much It's like a to bottle episode it. of a movie, yeah. basically, where you're just like, oh, this it's is, a you're in this study, moment. You're in this and just this. Because Open it. Water was another shark movie mm-hmm. that was very much the same thing. And Open Water is like, good for what it is. It is for what it is, but and it's not like shark man, heavy. Yeah, nobody's made the Moby Dick-ish man versus beast epic like Jaws since no. Jaws with any animal, let alone no. Sure. They tried with Orca, which is not terrible. Which was for the time. Richard Harris. Yes, and it's not terrible. It's the best of all the ripoffs of Jaws yeah. that came out. No, well, that'd be maybe tied with Piranha, the first Piranha, because the first uh. Piranha, even though the. I think I'll take Orca. It's kind of rough. I'll take, I'll take Orca, Orca over Piranha, but the first Piranha wasn't bad. Yeah. It was great for the time. did well. It's better than I mean, ants. They don't have to be like man versus nature in the ocean. Like I think The Edge is a fucking fantastic fucking movie. Oh, the one with uh, Alec you know, Baldwin and yeah, uh, with uh, yeah. Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, to Where David like Mamet, David Mamet, David Mamet. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. but yeah. once again, it's one of those movies that some people can't handle because it's in a microcosm. It's a very yeah. you're in one area, right? You're in one. Sh- it's essentially one shot framed a thousand different ways. Between so Bart the Bear, who features prominently in that movie, I got to meet Bart the Bear's. Like, it was like his son. Really? No, because so they... It was, was the son also a movie bear? Weird... Yeah. It, so it's a weird fucking story. Like, my ex-wife has family in Montana, and he lives up there okay. in Bozeman. And for this 4th of July party, we go to my ex-wife's aunt's house, and she's having a 4th of July party, and this guy just shows up with fucking bears and skunks and fucking, like, all these animals and we're just fucking around right so you're like i just walked into that one like slow week of the tonight show it was <laughs> so like, we're bringing animals fucking on. weird and so bart the bears whatever nephew whatever the fuck it was yeah um you would stand up put a marshmallow in your mouth and oh, the yeah. bear would fucking pull the marshmallow out of your mm-hmm. mouth right that's that's the classic trick with the bears they yeah. love marshmallows so you better I, keep feeding them those fucking marshmallows yeah so i <laughs> did the marshmallow thing and then my ex-wife stands up and she wants to do the marshmallow trick and in classic her fucking status she fucking stands up and the bear immediately clamps his fucking paws on her shoulders takes the marshmallow and just drags her down to the ground and starts wrestling with her because she stood up too fast and like uh, did the show of dominance i don't think so it's just because she is who she is and the bear was like oh this this bitch wants to have fun. Yeah, no, no, okay. <laughs> let's roll around. Because she was, a bit. And like, was she freaking out yeah. or was she like? Ha, 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 ha. That girl's brain has never touched her spinal cord. <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah, not once. Yeah, not once. Um, so yeah, but yeah. once anyway. paid for drugs, not once. I'll never forget Tim Meadows and Walk Hard. It's my favorite Tim Meadows performance. It's fucking fabulous. <laughs> you don't want none of this, Dewey. Uh, you don't want none of this shit. There is no hangover. It's the cheapest drug ever. I don't want to mess up my it's boner It's not or addictive nothing. at yeah. all. <laughs> I don't want to mess up with my boner. It makes sex better. better. <laughs> Alright, buddy. Question the 11th. What film means the most to you? Oh, not geez. because of its quality. doesn't have to be a good movie at all. Yep. But you have a memory associated with this movie. Okay, so this is gonna this isn't gonna sound crazy to anybody that's listened to you before, but okay. uh, it is 
Batman Forever. Okay. okay. And this is, we'll explain to you also why this movie is something that I love so much. You know, no matter how much you look at how this is not the best, not only is it not the best Batman movie, but it's 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 not that great of a movie. And it, for the most part, it's a commercial for songs to buy yep. and for, you know, like uh, toy tie-ins and things like that. But Batman Forever came out a very integral time in my life. It was 1995, summer of 1995. I was 12, right? 83? Okay. Yes, yeah. I was 12. Um, that was the summer when it came out. There was a lot of things going on. One, my parents were on really rocky ground. That was right as they were going to, they were separated before they got divorced. That happened that summer, like right after a Batman Forever had come out. That was the last big trip as a family that we had all gone to see my really close cousins and, and aunts and uncles in Connecticut, which was my favorite place. That was my paradise as a child was Candlewood Lake on, in Brookfield, Connecticut, where I hang out with my cousins on the lake, go fucking diving under the little floating dock they had and grabbing sunfish by the fucking tail. And all like it's just that was the place that was my uh, happy place as a child. Oh, sorry. I was trying to turn. No, it's fine. It's fine. That place was my happy place as a child. So that summer, Batman Forever's coming out. My brother and I are caught up so hard in the marketing because we love Batman so much. We love Batman Returns. We were like, we recorded the fucking world premiere of the trailer for Batman Forever off of Entertainment Tonight and like watched it over and over the trailer on a VHS tape. We were like ready with the, I had every character post. I'm not sure if you remember the poster for it, but it was like heads of everybody. But if you went to your comic book shop, they had full posters for each character. I had all five lined up on my wall. I used my chore money to buy that shit before the movie even came out. So I'm a 12 year old. Parents are on rocky ground. This movie's coming out. It's distracting me from everything. I love Batman. It's like I'm in it. I've I I I no matter how bad it is, I don't care. I'm probably going to love it because I'm so caught up in it. How could I possibly turn my back on what I have just spent so many months obsessing about? So that movie, and then we watch it when it comes out on VHS that October because the movie's like kind of set during Halloween. So then it comes out that October. That was a great Halloween. I went dressed as the Riddler. It's one of the best costumes I ever did. Super legit. Um, but then what happens the year after this comes out? There was a song from that movie that was a huge hit that is like lived on past that movie ever well. And it's Kiss from a Rose Kiss by from Seal. Kiss from a Rose. Yeah. A, a, a song that even Seal didn't think was that good. He had written, written in like 1987 and kind of had it on the back burner and then brings it back and all of a sudden it becomes this huge hit. The year after that summer, that school year, I go to my first, like, I had been going to dances, but I'd never really like gone up to, I had mostly stayed with my friends in a corner. I didn't really dance with anybody, didn't have a girlfriend. So I go ask this girl to dance who I thought was beautiful. Her name is Sarah. I won't say her last name because she probably doesn't want to be associated with me anymore. <laughs> uh, but we were I was 12. I was 13. She was 12. I met her at this dance. I asked her to dance. And the next slow song, do you want to dance? So the first slow dance I ever had was to kiss from a rose. Whoa. Then she's interested. We start dating. She was my first girlfriend ever. My first like actual real girlfriend ever. So, Kiss from a Rose from Batman Forever is also fucking like ingrained as this like integral moment as a young man at 13, having my first dance, first girlfriend, Kiss Batman Forever is fucking just cemented to it. Dude, that's that's actually a fucking fantastic. 95 was a huge year for me. A lot of big sea change in my life. You (laughs) somehow turned Batman Forever into a great answer. Yeah, and it's the That's I was also I was also going through changes, right? And so it was similar like the way Bruce Wayne's going through changes in that movie. 
where I was like going through puberty. Yeah. I was getting my first girlfriend. My parent, what I thought was a perfect, like my parents will never get divorced and my parents are the archetype for the perfect couple and marriage and blah. All that gets shattered. Then it's like, yo, Batman may not want to be Batman anymore. Yeah. He's not sure whether, is it about, does he have to or does he oh. choose to, all this shit. So Look at you. it all kind of Look at comes you. together as like this movie that, which is why my friend Emily, our friend Emily Skiles, was like, hey man, I'm cleaning out my storage and I noticed I have two, like, you remember Batman Forever mugs from McDonald's? I'm like, you mean the ones that my mom sold and I constantly think about how I want them? <laughs> like she sold them at a garage sale and I always say I wish I had the full set that I had. I think I had two full sets as a kid. That's so, fucking amazing. To the day, to this day, Batman Forever just gets me, man. It's something about it conjures up all these feelings in me. I almost feel bad for every time I've made fun of you. <laughs> For and loving I knew that that's fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. Look, that's my long yeah, answer. Where I was like, oh I'm my not going to read this verbatim, yeah. but I kind of got to get that it out. Three paragraphs. Wow. <laughs> All right. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So what did I, I didn't. I didn't read verbatim what I wrote, but it's pretty much the. It hit me at a perfect time, and the marketing was so huge. They marketed the living oh, shit out of that movie. It was huge. It was tied in with it was everything. Everywhere. There were ads for it everywhere from like March of '95. In a weird way, until it came out on VHS. In a weird way, that movie was supposed to be like a return to form because even though I think Batman Returns is fucking fantastic. I love it. I but it's love that out there, movie. dude. It's, it's fucked out up. there. The movie opens... By the way, every time I think of that movie, I think about the, the toy tie-in they had with Burger King. Oh. And I'm like, you're giving a child 100%. this penguin creature who's... Yeah, Gross. which they canceled. They canceled it after people yeah. were like, we took our kids to see this movie. And oh. it opens with Pee Wee Herman and his wife throwing a baby in a river. <laughs> like, fuck this baby. How does the new Batman open? We're killing the baby. Killing Just the baby. kidding. It's little mutant Moses. Yeah. <laughs> it's little mutant Moses going down the river. And instead of finding the Jews, he finds a circus full yeah. of murderers. <laughs> so fucking crazy. Yeah. I love that movie though. I, I think it. it's fucking I fantastic. I have a I have a dope. By the way, Catwoman. on my short list for what my sexiest movie is is yeah. Batman Returns. Oh, that one that one's sexy Bro. for me, but like not Come in a on. weird way. Like there's a clear reason oh, no. why. Because it's not weird. Michelle Pfeiffer in that suit is one of the hottest human beings that ever existed. Yo, yeah. my goodness, dear lord, I'd show her my flipper trick too. My French flipper trick. The French flipper trick. <laughs> you had your spade. <laughs> You were sending out all the signals. Super. By the way, the Penguin's super rapey in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's so rapey. It's awful. It's so bad. All right. Is this the last and final question? Question the 12th. Judas wrote this one. Sean Moriarty, should you be deemed worthy to ascend, you're allowed to bring one movie with you because you get to host in heaven a movie night. What film will you take to show the rest of the chosen people? Farewell and adieu to you fine <laughs> Spanish ladies. Yeah, of course Farewell it is. Farewell and adieu. Yeah. And I have to say another reason that that is the best. I believe that the greatest soliloquy and or however you want to say it, monologue ever delivered in film is by Robert Shaw telling the USS Indianapolis story, which is a little bit of the script, a little, a little bit of the original script, a little bit of the script that they were basically finishing as they shot it. Because the Peter Benchley's book, is not great. It is not. Go read yeah. Jaws. It kind of sucks. There's more to that story. There's more to that story. Oh, yeah. Where like uh, fucking Brody's wife is fucking Hooper. And there's all that well, tension. Well, I mean, there's, there's more to that speech. Yeah. There's way more to that speech. But the way um, that he. he do, you, do you know who actually wrote it? Uh, wait, who actually wrote the speech? Yeah. 
Besides it being, it wasn't in Peter Benchley's novel? Nope. I thought you said it was in his novel. So that speech was actually written by John Milius. Oh, yeah, because Milius did a rewrite. He was part of the he rewrite the, team. Yeah, they they had the they had it written, but they didn't love it. No, and he pretty much rewrote so, it as they shot. Yeah, like it was, so Spielberg reached out to John Milius and asked him to write a speech. And apparently he wrote like an entire legal pad. Yeah. Of the speech, which is basically a screenplay in and of itself. Yep. And so Robert Shaw had to go through it like line yeah, by he line. He did what he wanted to. And, and then kind of, yeah. he kind of ad libbed it because he was, they were actually drunk. They were drunk. They were actually 100%. drunk. 100%. And that's what makes it so real when he's just like, I love uh, it. you know, a thousand men go in the water. Yeah. I'll never put on a life jacket again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, of course not. And then he yeah. hands the, when the ship starts going down, he hands the life jackets to those guys. Yeah. They're being, they're being circled by a 25 foot monster shark. Yeah. And he's like, I yeah. still ain't going in the water. I'm good. You know, that was the scariest part to me, chief <laughs> waiting for my turn. When he talks about like, not when the sharks are eating all of his friends. It's not that it's when the helicopters hovering over and rescuing everybody Sitting around waiting for his turn. Yeah. And that reminds me of me so much that like when it gets the closer you get to the moment of glory or the moment of saving that you're worried the most that I'm not there yet and something could happen here. It's like the feeling I get when I'm on when I'm driving a long distance and I feel like something horrible could happen on that last block before I get to my house. That's where I should be worried because, yeah, I mean, classically, statistics wise, that's where most accidents yeah. happen in your car. Like a mile away from your house. A mile away from your house. There's the, you could just look at it for what it is, but that monologue is an entire movie in itself to me. That is arguably one of the three to five greatest movie scenes of all time. Yep. And to say anything different is just stupid. Yep. It is so fucking perfect. Like it, it you can watch that. 50 times. Yep. And you're still going to have chills running down your spine when you hear it. Every time. Every time. 100%. So, you know, like how we said earlier that Warrior makes me cry every single time I see it. Schindler's List makes me calm every single time I see (laughs) it. Every time. That still sends a chill up my spine. I'm just kidding. Please. I got to. Please don't don't cancel me. I'm kidding. It's fine. It's fine. I still get a chill up my spine every time he tells that story. Every fucking time. Yeah. Sean Moriarty. Yes. Oh, shit. I'm being judged now. Actually. All right. Which way is this old escalator going, Bobby? It's fine. This is the part where you don't get to talk, though. <laughs> Sean Moore. I don't know what that part's about. <laughs> I don't understand. We've never we've never pulled this off. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand. Sean Moriarty, you have been deemed worthy. You are going to heaven, my friend. Yay. I mean, of course. I'm going I mean, to movie heaven because real heaven I gave up a long time By the way. Ago. Just as a, 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 a follow-on, you did not mention really other than I mean I think I mentioned it. Not one Kevin Smith movie, not one. Nope. I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, but honestly, when it comes down to it, there's not a lot. Like the, your questions don't really necessarily fit. No, and into, the, there will be others. Like if you were like, "What's your favorite romantic comedy movie?" I would have said Chasing Chasing Amy. Amy. Yeah, of course. By the way, don't do that because. Regardless, I'm going to bring you back at some point. We're going to do 12 more questions. <laughs> Ooh, different ones. Are you going to do like seasons? Yeah, there's going to be seasons, kind of. I didn't read anything yeah. in the Bible about being judged by uh, whether I'm the living or the dead twice. Well, what you don't realize is that you can get kicked out of heaven. You can? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. With my, you know, with so, my behavior uh, in bars, I don't think I'm long for heaven. Be waiting on that call, buddy. I'm waiting. 